We're good. Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Church. I'm so glad uh, that you are being a part of what we're doing here. I Just by tuning in on Facebook, on our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC, uh, the point is you're joining us, and we are so grateful for that. Uh, we're here in our new space, and uh, this is kind of our celebration service. We're probably going to have a second celebration service next Sunday. Uh, but do us a favor, like and share this. Um, listen to us on our podcast at the Dominion Church Podcast Experience. Uh, we, we're here, and we're, we're ready for you to come be a part of what we're doing here. Um, and now we're on Woodruff Road at the Maravan Center. We'd love for you to come. We're centrally located. We're around all kinds of great restaurants and things like that. So come early, grab some lunch, and then be with us Sunday at 1.30. That's when our service time starts. So we moved, moved locations in a big way, moved our timing just a little bit from 1 to 1.30. Uh, so yeah, I want to share uh, just uh, something simple. It's not going to take very long today, but it's very much in the vein of of where I've been studying and praying and meditating, and it's it really goes along the lines of the God who looks like Jesus. And um, so at Present Truth Academy, we're going to be launching a new study track that launches on September the 11th called The God Who Looks Like Jesus. And so I'm very much uh, kind of neck deep, as it were along this theme, and uh, it's amazing how more and more themes emerge, and uh, so this last week, uh, I have a new friendship, a new connection that I've already been receiving from, uh, his name's Kenneth Tanner, and he really spurred along this thought, and it fits so much into, um, again, trying to discover the character and nature of God, as you see through the crucified Christ, because that is the ultimate image, That's, that is the true expression of God. Um, you go and you look at the life and ministry of Jesus. He says, no man has seen God unless I reveal him to them. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, so Jesus is the image. He is the image of the invisible God. And so for today, um, I've got a title that I think it will be interesting uh, for us, and uh, maybe we'll get some questions on it. We're going to call this Judgment Through Tears. Judgment Through Tears. And... So yeah, I get it. It's it's risky to, to talk about judgment. Who who wants to talk about that? And especially when we're you know we're better covenant, we're we're new creation. Are you sure you want to go there? Well, yeah, because we need to reclaim words like this. Uh, judgment is one of those words, and there's many words. It's certainly not uh, an island to itself that has so much baggage on it, like wrath, for example. Uh, do you guys remember? I mean, it's it's been a while. I did a I did a session on wrath. I think in 2016 uh, about what is wrath. It is simply defined as God's powerful emotion. Uh, actually, in in the Greek, it's the word ogre, which is where we get the the modern equivalent of of orgasm. So, powerful emotion. We default to it meaning bad things. But have you ever, ever considered this? That the wrath of Jesus against sin was forgiveness. That was his powerful emotion. So we always think in terms and context of the negative, and we don't look at the beautiful positive of it. Judgment is similar because we default to the negative. But there's also judgments of righteousness, which we're going to get into, right? The, the judgment of God that you are a beloved son and a beloved daughter, that is a good judgment. Not guilty. Not guilty is as much judgment as guilty, Okay? So Romans eleven thirty two, for God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience, so He could have mercy on everyone. Now, I did not make that verse up. That's been in your Bible your whole life. 
Romans 11.32, God himself has imprisoned everyone in disobedience. So who's, who is everyone in disobedience? Do you ever met anybody that wasn't in disobedience? No, it's, it's all of us. For what purpose? So that he could have mercy on everyone. So I want to look at an example in Scripture that's going to help us to see this picture more clearly. And to do that, though, we have to look through the cross. So the perspective that I'm submitting to you and that's, that we're going to continue to journey in is we're going to look through the cross and we're going to allow the work of the cross, the crucified Christ, to inform what we see and how we define what came before the cross. So there are things we see about God that don't look like Jesus. There are things we believe about God that don't look like Jesus, and we have to readjust our thinking. And there are great examples, and we're going to talk about one of them today, that's going to, that's going to inform us, that's going to bring us clarity to the image of God as we see through the crucified Christ. And so what happens is we start discovering this overwhelming goodness of God and it's in places and it's in people that may not always seem obvious in the moment. And so the example I want for us to consider today is a person we're all very familiar with. His name is Joseph. Joseph. Now, coat of many colors, Joseph. Not, I know there's another big Joseph in there, which would be the, the, the dad, the dad of Jesus. But I'm talking about Joseph in the Old Testament, coat of many colors, um, I, I cannot take the time to remind you of his journey, but it's one, it's one of those very interesting ones that captivates the imagination. Uh, it's one of the, the Sunday school standards. Uh, I remember, man, I just, I, 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 didn't, I thought, man, that's so cool. This, this guy, he gets a dream from God, and he shares it with his family, and they're like, oh, no, there ain't no way that we're going to serve you. And his brothers, you know, with brothers like these, you know, who needs enemies with brothers like Joseph? They're like, hey, I've got an idea. Let's throw him in a pit, and we're going to kill him. Whoa, that's severe. I mean, just over a dream? Wow. Um, and then, thankfully, Judah, who, who was one of Joseph's brothers, said, well, well um, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Now, listen, guys, when those are the two options, it's <laughs> where slavery is less severe than, than death, then you're, you're in a pretty tough spot. And, and so the brothers agreed. And, and I don't know if you guys knew this, and this is just a little rabbit trail. That's why Judah was honored to such a place that he was actually given a tribe named after him. And then Jesus most identifies with that tribe, and, and it's all connected to Joseph. But Judah is the reason, right? Uh, and so uh, Judah's name means two things. Son, I hope you're listening. It means two things. Number one, it means praise, right? Uh, Judah and Judas mean the same thing, so just be careful. But then I'm pointing to my son back there. But then it also means the ruler of his brethren. And so when Megan and I named Judah that, we were thinking about praise. We weren't thinking about the ruler of his brethren. And there are times where he has indeed tried to rule his, his brothers and sisters. Uh, but anyway, that's, again, another topic for another time. And so, again, you guys know what happened. So from there, right, smooth sailing for Joseph, right? No, it, 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 I think, you know, I, I think maybe Dan said, hey, if it's between slavery and death, just kill me. But no, so, so he goes to Egypt, and then it looks like, hey, there's a shift. Things are going good, and then wrongfully accused, imprisoned, so back into the pit over and over again. And then God makes a way. Remember, he's interpreting dreams, and then he gets before the presence of Pharaoh. 
And so all these amazing um, these stories, again, that captivate the imagination. But have you ever thought about this? Joseph is a prophetic forerunner. Uh, for who, for basically, he would later point us to Jesus, the Messiah. And, and yes, Joseph, he becomes a ruler and a judge over the land of Egypt. But I want us to take a little bit of time here in these next few minutes to lean into the judgment of Joseph that most looks like the character and nature of God. Okay? So, so I want to remind you of this. You can jot down these verses if you're taking notes. The judgments of God are unto righteousness. There's several verses for that. My favorite are Psalm 94, 15, if you need an Old Testament example. John 7, 24, if you need a New Testament example. Actually, David pondered greatly what judgment looked like. So actually, you can find there's themes about judgment throughout the Psalms. Now, there are times where David... He releases judgment in a severe way, but when he really starts picking up on the heart of God, it's very beautiful, and then he'll pin something like this. So again, remind you, this is the same David that said, you know, when my enemies come, break their teeth in their mouth, pull out their fangs, don't allow their lineage to take seats of authority. Same David. But then he'll come along and pin this, the judgments of God are unto righteousness. <laughs> and, and again, what is righteousness? You, you guys have heard me teach on this many times. What is righteousness at its core? Righteousness is the free gift of God. And what, what does it address? Our identity as beloved sons and beloved daughters of an always good father. So when I talk about the judgments of God are unto righteousness, when you see God authentically judging from his character and nature, this is the judgment. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. That is the judgment. We're done with that. Signs still delivered, but my judgments are unto righteousness. So can we look at some scripture references in Genesis 50? So I'll share with you just a little backstory of Joseph's life and then getting up to this point. And so, again, a little bit of backstory within the proximity of these verses. His dad dies. He loved his dad even though his dad was, was hard on him. His dad didn't throw him in the pit. His dad wept when they brought him the coat. You guys remember? They brought him the coat, ripped and stained with blood, and, and they made it sound like he was attacked and killed. And, and so his father mourned, but still his father was very upset with his dream as well. Don't forget that. So everyone in Joseph's proximity when he had his dream were upset with him. So the father dies, Joseph mourns, and he does this real, it's this royal type of mourning. Go and read through it. Like he set aside seven days, 24 hours, seven days a week, Right to, to mourn, uh, and there was there was many that gathered with him because he was essentially the ruler of Egypt by this point. So then it's time now for the brothers to come, and they're coming um, not because they necessarily want to; they're coming because they have to. Famine has hit the land, uh, and then you guys remember Joseph in his wisdom told Pharaoh what to do. So Egypt now has become the place. It has become the center of exchange. If you want to survive, you got to come to us, right? So the brothers come. And now can you imagine? This is the first time they've seen him really since they sold him into slavery out of compassion, right? <laughs> 
It's now Genesis 50, starting at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Again, the title of this encouragement is Judgment Through Tears. Did you catch that in verse 17? So they are his brothers. I want you to hear this right now. And these are things I ponder personally. They were his brothers no matter what. But when they come before him, knowing that they're transgressors, knowing that they're guilty, they come to him and it says, as servants. Some translations say, behold, we are your slaves. And Joseph's response, do you see that there in verse 17? Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Again, the name of this encouragement, judgment through tears. So I want to share this quote by Kenneth Tanner. Joseph unveils Christ as the brother who forgives the tribes of Israel through tears. Joseph goes down into hell, suffers for his brother's sustenance, and survives to announce their forgiveness, to embrace and to kiss even those who betray and sell him into slavery for 30 pieces of silver. You see, Joseph unveiled is Jesus for his brothers and for all humans. A prophecy of Christ, a prophecy about how to become human as God is human in this world. Can you also hear Jesus the Lamb standing as though slain and saying, like Joseph, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Wow, that's beautiful. I want to take it a little bit further. Can you imagine Jesus saying the same words of Joseph to his beloved 11 in his post-resurrection appearances? So his disciples, you know, the ones in hiding, those men of great faith. I was sharing last week, I mean, you, you get the women on their feet. The only people God could depend on to believe that he was going to resurrect were women. Men didn't believe it. They took off running. 
And if, and if we're not careful, men, I'm talking about myself, we're, we're going to fall into the same trap over and over again. <laughs> we're going to doubt what God has said. We're going to doubt who God is, and the ladies are going to run with it. Because women in particular have this capacity for trust that's different for men. A lot of times men, we connect trust to like, um, um, how, what's the best way to put it? We connect trust to, to like honor, like gaining honor. Okay, if, if I can see honor and trustworthiness, well, then we can go with it. But women, they have this capacity for faith when it comes to trusting. It, it's not attached to honor. It's, hey, you know what? I believe, I believe him because he's good. I believe him because I, tr- I know his heart, and that's enough. Men need something more. We need more proof for some reason. So here comes, here comes Jesus to his faithful 11 who are in hiding. And can you hear him say the same thing that Joseph said? Please come closer. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Look, you can see for yourselves, I really am Joseph. Look, touch, touch the wounds in my hands. Go ahead and put your hand in my side. It really is me. You guys, yeah, I took a trip into the pit, but I'm back. I'm back. Joseph takes away his brother's shame. Joseph declares forgiveness and peace. Joseph is a forerunner of Jesus when he says to his brothers, weary and heavy laden from years of guilt, come closer to me. In their fear of Joseph's wrath, he kindly says, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. Can you sense the compassion of Joseph? Can you sense the compassion of Jesus in the same way? We talk about the judgment of God, but we rarely identify with the tears of God. The reason we identify with judgment is because it reflects us. We're not so eager to talk about the tears of God because for us they're otherworldly, especially if you've never wept for anyone. You've never wept for anyone who was still hurting, wept for anyone who was running in rebellion, wept for anyone who had lost it all. When someone returns back into your life that has done you wrong, what is your posture? Is it, I should have known better. What's wrong with you? I don't even know if I can trust you anymore. Or is it through tears you're forgiven? It's okay. Don't be afraid. (laughs) So remember this from Joseph slash Jesus when you are afraid or uncertain. Judgment is forgiveness for all with tears that stain the face. I'm a big crybaby. I always have been. But I've been asking the Lord 
that I want more tears for purpose, tears that serve a purpose. It's one thing to weep when you're wounded. It's another thing to weep when you see other people wounded. It's one thing to weep when you are expecting to be judged. It's another thing to weep through your judgment towards others. So now if we can back up a little bit, we see this picture of Joseph, this picture of Jesus, and Jesus who looks like God, right? The God who looks like Jesus. This is what God looks like, judging the world. Like the tearful Joseph with his brothers. Like us when, as his crucified body, as Joseph, we speak good to everyone who intends us evil. So now, what is this like practically? Well, can you, can you pick this up? The Lamb, Jesus, invites us to be Joseph now. You know, you can be just like him right now. Okay, well, I, I get asked this all the time. I'm, I'm going to be ministering in Memphis uh, in, in October. I was talking to the pastor a couple days ago. And he said, man, I just want practicality. What does this practically look like? I hear people talking about all these things, and they sound great. And I, I'm like, I believe you, but... How does this practically look? And I think the reason most of us don't want to hear the practicality of it is because it's not what we were expecting. Can I give you practicality? How can you be like Joseph now? How can you most be like Jesus now? Anybody? You want the answer? I've got it for you. It's going to be easy to say, not easy to hear. You want to be like him now? Love and forgive your enemies. Can't get no help. <laughs> I want to look like Jesus in the city of Greenville. All right? Love and forgive your enemies. Not his enemies. Do I have to reteach that? The enemies table? God has no enemies. We do. Because we don't know how to embrace people and forgive them and weep through tears and judge through tears, but we're learning. Man, we want to see dominion. Make its mark. We've got all this history. What's it all leading up to? What if dominion, and, and I, I, I share this as we close. There, there were some years ago I was pondering a name change for dominion. And, and I really thought about it and prayed about it for some time. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why change the name? You just need to change your understanding of dominion. And he said, dominion... So when I think of dominion, you think of rulership, you think of, right, expansion, increase, taking over. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, is that still who we are? He said, yeah, but how do you have dominion? You have it by loving. You have it by serving. At surface level, it may even look like losing. But in the kingdom of God, that's what dominion looks like. <laughs> so so what if, what if a, an identifier, you know you've met dominion folk, because they love and forgive their enemies. They, 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 they pass judgment through tears. Again, what's that judgment? Everything's okay. What you meant for harm, God has made it good. What you meant for evil, God has redeemed it and restored it. It's okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of my nieces and nephews. When he says, I'm going to take care of your little ones, that's his family. You see that opportunity, that moment. And so the Lord has given us grace, I believe, in this season moving forward that how we relate to people 
past, present, and future. It's going to require some shifting, right? It's going to require some shifting because I'm not just trying to live for God in this world. I'm trying to live as him, not, not saying become him, but reflecting him in such a way that when people have had an encounter with you, they've had an encounter with God. And how can I ensure that that happens? It's going to require agape, other-centered love. It's going to require forgiveness that's painful. Not forgiveness that ignores what has happened, but it's forgiveness that doesn't demand payment for what's happened. Jesus never ignored what was done to him. He just never used what was done to him as a reason to demand more. Come on, did, did humanity crucify Jesus? Yes, but Jesus never asked us to pay for it. There's a mic drop if there's a mic drop moment. Because so much of our, of our Christian family believes that humanity has to pay for what they've done. And I would buy into that if I see anywhere where Jesus demands payment. Now he says, I'll take it all on me. I'll take all the sin. I'll take all the darkness. And it's voluntary, by the way. I'll take it all upon me. And this is how it's going to work. I'll take all that. You can have all, all that I am. I'll take all that you are. And in doing so, forever joins two things together that should never go together. He joins himself to us. And you know what? He's never broken that. That joining has remained now for over 2,000 years. And it's never going to stop. And so if Jesus doesn't require payment from us, then we have to figure out how to not require payment from others. And again, I know there, there's, there's still questions there. Don't, don't say what I'm not saying. But I'm talking about, let's just say a world we can all relate to is offense, right? Someone either, you know, bad-mouthing you, saying something about you, behind your back, you get word of it. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to walk in unforgiveness. But Jesus says, ah, go ahead and forgive. No strings attached and no, no payment required. And in doing so, we look like Joseph. And in doing so, we look like Jesus. And if anyone, and, and you know, I, I wrestle with this, Mom, and I think about just observing you and Dad through the years of ministry. I'm, I'm not sure if I've encountered someone that actually meant harm. I'm not going to speak for you guys. But I've met a lot of hurting people that their default was to hurt others to protect themselves. And so e even a shift like that changes my heart because I want to look to the place of their hurting, not the place of my offense, because I can't control their hurting. I can control my offense all day long. Did you know that? You know you can control that? Because you can choose to be offended or not, honestly. Any offense you carry is because you chose to be offended. Okay, but they're hurting. I need to be an active agent. I want to go. I want to minister life. How can I do it? The, only, the most fundamental way I can figure out is by looking like Joseph, looking like Jesus. It's okay. You're forgiven. No hard feelings. It's time to move forward. Whatever harmed me, it's all turned out for good. And carry that with us. Amen. So I said a simple word, but I believe it's going to help us in our journey. Um, and
and, and I'm going to share some other themes along this next Sunday as well. So if this is intriguing to you or you want to catch more, uh, please uh, make sure you tune in next week. I want to pray for you, Lord. We just thank you for this time today. Lord, we're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful for the, the patterns that we see that reflect your character and nature. Today, specifically talking about Joseph. Joseph is our brother. Jesus is our brother. And no matter how any of us would like to cut this story, we are the brothers that caused the offense. We are the brothers that threw him in the pit. We are the brothers that put him on the cross. And now that our day of judgment has come, we come with our head hung down, with our expectations full of dread, knowing that whatever Jesus decides to do, that he is just to do so. But when we encounter him face to face as a judge, to our surprise, to our awe, he's weeping. Because we thought there's, the only way he could see us now is slaves. But he still sees us as family. And his heart towards us has never changed. Can you see that? Wow. Though you sent me to hell, I'm back. <laughs> and what you meant for harm, it's all going to be for good. So I'm here now. I, I'm here to save you. I'm here to save your little ones. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Everything's going to be okay. And then I feel like with restored hope, we run to the judgment seat and we embrace him with our whole hearts, crying out, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, I thank you for all these things. Now I pray them in and through the precious, the beautiful, the generous name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, please, you know, like and share our page on Facebook, on YouTube, on our podcast. Uh, and come be a part of one of our gatherings. Again, we meet here at 1.30 at the Maravan Center, right off Woodruff Road, right in the heart of Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, we'd love for you to come be a part of that. We, we got some celebrating to do, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. All right, God bless you. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time.